to be with you this morning, and uh, on such a glorious day. I was out in the sun yesterday, can you tell? <laughs> My next door neighbor looked at me this morning when I came out of the house, and uh, he said, you were in the sun? I said, tell me about it. I'm roasting. <laughs> Sometimes the, we're not aware of the effects of the sun on our lives, <laughs> on our skin or whatever. And sometimes we're not, not altogether aware that the Son of God has impact in our lives. When we walk with Him, when we live with Him, He touches our lives in fresh ways so that, as the Bible says about some of the first followers of Jesus, people recognized they had been with Jesus. Okay? Can people tell that about you or me? That we've been with the Son of the living God. Well, it's great. Thank you for the privilege of being here this morning. I'm most grateful uh, for the invitation. Thank you, Steve, for your welcome. All of you, thank you for welcoming me here. You'll be glad to know that I'm not going to preach this morning. Does that mean we can all go home now? No, 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 no. I want to tell you a story. So rather than kind of preach, I want to tell you a story. Some of you might be old enough to remember a, a, a comedian, a singer, years and years ago, he used to start his set by saying, I want to tell your story. Yeah? yeah? I want to tell your story. Max Bygraves, the name just came to me then. Yeah, I want to tell your story. And I'm old enough to remember listening to the radio uh, uh, years and years and years and years ago to a program called Listen With Mother. Ian remembers that. I, I, yeah, I know. <laughs> Listen with mother. And it was part of the program was a, a story. And the, the storyteller would say, are you sitting comfortably? Then I'll begin. Yeah, you see, there are quite a few. You remember that. Yeah. <laughs> so I want to tell you a story. The little town of Bethlehem was in a turmoil. The mayor and the councillors were, were, were all on edge. <laughs> they were worried because they'd had a message to say that the prophet was coming. Samuel, the prophet, was coming to Bethlehem. Now, that was okay. I mean, they could cope with religion. The prophet was all about religion. But the prophet, Samuel, was also the judge. <laughs> and that was a different matter altogether. Religion they could cope with. Uh, the judge, that was serious stuff. So they were worried. You can almost see them shuffling in their sandals, <laughs> rubbing their hands together. And when Samuel arrives, <laughs> they're, they're, they're there to, to, to greet. <laughs> Honor to have you with us. Uh, so, so good to, to have you visit our town and, and, and to meet our community. Uh, is, your, is your visit a, a happy one? <laughs> what is the purpose of your visit, sir? Samuel says, I'm here to sacrifice. <laughs> oh, you, you can feel the, 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 the emotion from all these community leaders. Whoa. It's religious after all. 
We don't need to take too much notice. We don't need to worry. It's about religion. Ah, oh, so good. And, and oh, sacrifice. <laughs> that meant a roast lamb sandwich or meal. So good to have you here, Samuel. It's so, oh, your honor, you're so welcome. Samuel knew that he'd come to Bethlehem not just to sacrifice, but to actually make a judgment. He had to choose a new king for the nation. Well, they'd already got a king. His name was Saul. Saul had started off very well as a king, but he kind of lost his way and, and began to seek after his own ideas and his own will. Do you ever get like that? You might start off well following Jesus and then you kind of get lost somewhere along the line. You, you get involved in stuff that isn't glorifying to God or isn't honoring God. That's what happened with Saul. At the end of his life, he, he, he said, I've played the fool made the wrong decisions, made the wrong choices. And he didn't repent of his failings, but he died a sad, lonely man. Samuel was choosing a successor to Saul. He'd been told to come to Bethlehem. He'd been told to look out for the family of a man called Jesse. Jesse was an older man. He'd been married twice. The first wife died and he married again. Uh, with the first wife, he had several sons. And with the second wife, he'd had just one little boy. So Samuel comes and they bring Jesse before him. And Samuel says, have you got your family? Could you, could you bring them in? Could you parade them around? Uh, just let me see them. I've got a choice to make. And so... Jesse brings out his sons, seven of them, fine specimens. <laughs> Samuel walks up and down, and he's walking up and down, looking at these men that he's got to choose one from to be the king. Eliab, son number one, big, strong, powerful looking very smart in his military uniform. And Samuel looks at him and says, hmm, that, he's got, looks as if he's got what it takes. But then he stops because he seems to be listening to a voice inside his head. And the voice is saying, not him, not Eliab. And following Eliab, there's Abinadab. And again, wow, he's six foot four. He's broad shoulders. He's standing tall. He looks very athletic, very strong. Could this be the man? And again, a voice inside Samuel's head says, no. And then Shammah, Shammah, the next son. And Samuel is beginning to look a little bit perplexed. That's not the one either. And the Old Testament writers don't even bother to tell us the names of son four, five, six, and seven. It was none of them either. Samuel says to Jesse, are these all your sons? Jesse misunderstands. Oh, they are all my sons, yes. Samuel says, no, 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 no. Do you have any more? And Jesse 
shuffles a bit, looks down at the ground. He, he doesn't want to engage eye contact with Samuel. And he's there shuffling in his shoes and seems to be quite embarrassed. There's the boy, he says. The boy. Yes, the boy. Now, he's not here. I didn't think it was worth bringing him. He's only a teenager, uh, just a youngster. And, well, he doesn't seem to fit in well with the rest. And the boy didn't. This boy, this child of the second marriage, a late arrival, much younger than the other brothers. And he's small. He's skinny. Still growing. He's still developing, but... Not military material, not leadership material. Jesse says he, he looks after the sheep. He does odd jobs around. Not like Eliab and Abinadab and Shammah and four, five, six, and seven. <laughs> They're leadership material, strong, powerful. Samuel says, could I see the boy? Could you get him here? So they send for the boy. And the boy arrives. And he comes. <laughs> Hair is disheveled. Good looking young lad. But skinny. Looking quite fragile. Oh, and he's got mud on his face. And he smells of sheep. <laughs> Tell me about the boy says Samuel to Jesse. Well, he's been a bit of a handful, a bit of trouble, really, a bit of a rebel. Doesn't quite fit in. He's, well, I've not been able to control him very much. And he's different from the rest. He sings songs. He writes songs. He makes music and it, he talks to God. Samuel Hart misses a beat. It wasn't Eliab. It wasn't Abinadab. It wasn't Shammah. It wasn't four, five, six, or seven, but the boy. Samuel reaches into his pocket and pulls out a container with oil. He goes to the boy and he pours the oil on the boy's head. He says something to the boy. Nobody can quite hear what it is, but we know from the record later on what Samuel was saying was, God has chosen you to be king over Israel. The boy stands there, oil dripping off the end of his nose and down his chin. His jaw is open. Me? Yeah, you. The boy. Samuel says it's time to celebrate. It's time to sacrifice. It's time to enjoy a meal together. And we'll give thanks to God for his goodness. And as Samuel turns away, <laughs> old Jesse wishes the ground could open up and, and swallow him up because the boy runs after Samuel and he calls him, Samuel, 
you don't call the prophet by his first name. Not at that age. And he's the judge. You don't refer to the judge as Samuel. It's your honor. The boy runs after, after Samuel. He grabs him by the, grabs him by the, the elbow. Samuel. <laughs> Samuel stops. What is it, son? Would you like to hear one of my songs? Would you like to hear one of my songs? Yeah, go on, says Samuel. Sing me a song. And so the boy sings. Because the Lord is my shepherd, I have everything that I need. He makes me rest in meadows green and leads me beside the quiet streams. He keeps on giving life to me and helps me to do what honors him the most. Even when walking through the dark valley of death, the valley of death, I will never be afraid for he is close beside me. Guarding, guiding all the way, he spreads a feast before me. In the shadow of my enemies, he welcomes me as his special guest. With blessing overflowing, his goodness and unfailing kindness will be with me all of my life. And afterwards I will live with him forever, forever in his home, forever in his home, forever in his home. Samuel says, good song, son. Good song. You've got a winner there. That'll last. (laughs) David is anointed king, the boy, because that's who it was. Samuel says, what's your name? I'm David. David was anointed king, but it took a while before he actually came to the throne. David had to learn patience. (laughs) In fact, one of his songs says that. I waited patiently for the Lord. Hey, can I ask you, maybe you're struggling with something God has told you and it hasn't happened yet. You have to learn patience. Some of us who are, you know, keen to move forward, we, we, we want everything to happen now, now, now. We live in the age of the instant, don't we? Instant tea, instant coffee, instant meals. Wow, gosh. (laughs) At one time, I remember here somebody say, at at one time, if you missed the stagecoach from London to Glasgow, uh, there would be another one along next week. So you waited, you know. Now people get ulcers if they miss one section of a revolving revolving door, you know. (laughs) David had to learn patience. And maybe that's a lesson that you might be having to learn too. 
The story goes on, and I need to rush because I'm running out of time. And uh, The story is great. There's so much of it. David, the boy, <laughs> is sent with groceries to his brothers who were in the military. They were serving on the, near the front line, a battle against the, the Philistines. David, you probably know this story. David is sent out with this bag of food for his brothers. And he gets there, and as he's handing the food over, there's this booming noise of somebody shouting, and David stops to listen, and there's this big fella, this giant of a man, making fun of Saul, ridiculing him, ridiculing his army. And what really upset David was that he was ridiculing their God. And David says, who is this fella? I'll sort him out. I mean, I'm cutting the story short. But I'll sort him out. And they try to fit David with Saul's armor, heavy stuff. That he, No, I don't need that. Leave it aside. I've got the Lord with me. And David goes to the stream nearby and he picks out five smooth stones to put in his sling. Because <laughs> that's David's weapon. He's practiced with it. Time and time and time again, he's so accurate. Some people have said the reason that David picked five stones from the stream was just in case he missed with the first or the second or the third. That's not why David picked five stones. Do you know why he picked five stones? Because the Goliath, giant Goliath, had got four brothers. And David was ready to take them all on. That's why he took five stones. He knew his God and he knew his ability in God and he was determined to follow what God was saying and take on those who were ridiculing his God. We live in an age where people ridicule Jesus. They use his name as a curse or a swear word. I confess that so often I just let it, I just let it go. But there have been times when I've said, you're talking about a friend of mine. You're making fun of a friend of mine. David knew God so well. He knew God intimately from his time on the hillsides looking after the sheep when he was singing praise songs and writing praise songs and songs of complaint as well. But this Goliath needed sorting out, and David was going to sort him out in the name of the Lord. Sometimes, folks, we need to challenge what's happening in our world today and what people are saying about God and faith and Jesus. And David takes aim at the giant and kills him. And it's a kind of bloodthirsty story because the giant had a sword, and David struggled to pick it up. It was heavy, but he picked up the giant's sword, and he cut the giant's head off. Of course, that's a bit extreme, isn't it? Sometimes we have to dare to be extreme in the right sense, following God. David eventually does become king. <laughs> He's passionate, passionate for God, passionate about what God is asking him to do. And he's got other passions as well. David loved the applause. <laughs> Gosh, some of us have learned that that can be a, a sad thing to, to do. We love the applause and the acclamation. I did for years. <laughs> well, I, I, 
Honestly, I still sometimes do. David knew what the people thought of him. They said about Saul, he's killed his thousands, but David has killed tens of thousands. And David's, David's, wow, wow, isn't this wonderful? Yeah. And sometimes pride can get in the way of our relationship with God. David not only enjoyed the acclaim of people, he loved to be surrounded by beautiful women. Oh, he got a wife, Michal or Michael, and a second wife, Abigail. David was the leader. He was the commander-in-chief, and he should have been out leading his people, his armies, but he was resting at home. And walking on the roof of, rooftop of his house, he looked across and he saw a beautiful woman. Now, the Bible is quite open about all of this. And David sees this beautiful woman. She's having a bath. And David looks. And David turns away. And <laughs> No, he doesn't. He comes back and has another look. And another who is this? Who is this beautiful woman? Oh, she is the wife of one of your commanders, one of your generals, Uriah, the Hittite. And, and Uriah is in the front line where David should have been. Uriah is out there with the other leaders leading the army against the enemies, and David should have been there, but David wasn't. And David was at home relaxing and resting and giving way to temptation. The Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart, and yet David's being tempted and giving in to temptation. He looks and he longs and he lusts for Bathsheba. He's the king, so he can command anything. So he brings Bathsheba to where he is. We don't know how long this went on, days, weeks, Months, and David gets a message from Bathsheba two or three months into their affair. David, you're going to be a dad. I'm being, and I'm going to be a mum. David slaps his forehead when he hears the news. Oh, how am I going to get out of this? And David begins to manipulate. He brings Uriah back from the front line. He gets a message out to the, the, the generals. Uriah, come home. I need to talk to you. Bring me a report about what's happening. That was a lie. Bring me a report about what's happening. Uriah comes back and David says, you've been away a while. You must want to know how your wife is. And why don't you go and uh, spend some time with her? And David's trying to cover up his sin. And Uriah says, no, while my men are out there at the front line, I, I've taken an oath not to do anything that would distract me from doing what God, God's will is to, to save the nation. David tries again. Uh, Uriah, why don't you just take some time out? Why don't you just go and spend a few nights or days with your wife? And Uriah says, no, sir. No, sir. I've pledged 
to serve with my men. And while they're serving, while they're under threat, I need to be where they are. And David says, okay. And the story goes on. David sends a message. Can you put Uriah in the firing line? Get him in the most dangerous place of all. (laughs) David is plotting murder. The man after God's own heart. He's lied. He's committed adultery. He's now proposing murder. And Uriah, in the heat of battle, dies in action. Killed in action. David can now have Bathsheba as his next wife. But a storyteller comes along, a prophet from God, because God is upset at what David has done. And the prophet Nathan comes to tell David a story. There was a rich man who had lots of flocks of sheep, lots of herds. He was so rich. He had everything he needed. And then he saw a a poor man who only has one little ewe lamb. And the rich man says, I'm for that lamb into my flock. And David's angry. The story about sheep and shepherds and and so on. He's angry because he he understands that. Who is this man? He says to Nathan. Who is this man? This rich man who's got everything and yet he chooses to destroy that other poor man. And Nathan points the finger at David and says, you're, you're the man, David. It's your story I'm telling. And David is convicted of his sin. And he talks to God, makes a song, as it were, of his confession. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Put a right new spirit within me against you, You only have I sinned. And Nathan nods his head. David, you've done the right thing. You've confessed your sin. You've repented of your sin. And God is now restoring you. When was the last time you said sorry to God? about something that may have offended him. There's so much in the story of David that that we can relate to. Oh, it may not have been sexual sin. It may have been something else, but we think we can cover it up. I've tried (laughs) more than once. Tried to cover up my sin, and somehow or another, the Holy Spirit of God comes and says, gotcha. Repent, confess, seek God's forgiveness, and he'll put you right. Make you right, as though you had never, ever sinned. So David was forgiven, and he's relieved, but the consequences of his sin remain. (laughs) There's Bathsheba and the baby, Solomon. And later on in his life, David has problems within his family because of conflict between the sons, the sons of Michael and Abigail and Bathsheba. Sometimes we have to live with consequences that are hurtful, painful for us, but God 
is a forgiving God and he gives us a Holy Spirit who will guide us and direct us and take us forward. Oh, better move on quickly through the years. David becomes an older man. I was going to say an old man, but no, an older man. I've got to be careful about, about, about ageism and because I don't feel like I'm an old man yet. <laughs> David becomes old, frail, beginning to lose energy, beginning to feel that he can't really manage things anymore. As I said, he's had problems within his family. There's been all sorts of other pressures upon him. And David comes, he's feeling cold and shivery and nothing will warm him up. And he's almost ready to give up. Some of his courtiers, those around him, they, they, they say they had a meeting, a, a committee, and they come together and say, well, at one time, David, uh, at one time, David used to like the company of, of beautiful young ladies, so why don't we get one or two beautiful young women to come and lie alongside David and try and warm him up? And, but that doesn't work. Not anymore. David seems to have lost all his passion, his passion for God, his passion for life, uh, his passion for women too. He's learned his lesson about that, I think. But then one of his sons says, I've had enough of this. I am going to be king. Adonijah, that was his name. He declares himself to be king. The message gets back to David. He's lying in bed trying to keep warm. He's trying to concentrate on, on just getting better or feeling better. And what's this? Adonijah has declared himself to be king. Not having that, says David. And he stirs. He gets up. His eyes are flashing with anger because he has promised Bathsheba that Solomon will be the next king and David is going to keep his word. And... Adonijah, well, we'll have to sort him out. David calls for Zadok, the priest, to come. And Solomon, and Zadok, the priest, anoints Solomon to be the next king. God save the king, long live the king, may the king live forever. You've heard the Zadok, the priest, have you? Yeah, so here. Zadok comes, anoints Solomon, and Solomon is going to be king. And David is at rest. His passion for God recovers. So in his older years, David was once again passionate about God's honor. He wants Adonijah out of the way. That's not God's way. Solomon will be king. And David says, I'd love to build a temple. And God says, no. Nah. You've murdered somebody or you, you planned the murder of, of Uriah. You've got blood on your hands, David. You're not going to build the temple, but Solomon will. Your successor will. And so the story goes on. David continues to write songs, even into his old age. There's hope for us yet. <laughs> and eventually David dies and is honored and revered, not just then, but even now. I'm sorry I've taken a long time. You've listened ever so well. You've been really good. There are so many lessons in the story of David. I haven't been able to recover, uh, you know, recount them all. 
But maybe something of what I've shared this morning will sow a seed into your heart and mind. Maybe God's spoken to you this morning about putting him first. Because the Lord is my shepherd, I have everything that I need. And one version puts it, the Lord is my shepherd, I need nothing else. Is he priority? We've sung about it earlier. It's easy to sing. But we've got to go to our world and demonstrate that Jesus is king in my life. There was an old song my father used to sing. King of my life, I crown you now. Thine shall the glory be. Do you want God's glory? Do you live for God's glory? (laughs) Football. Let me talk about football just for a minute as I close. The man across the street from where I live has put up a big flag on the front of his house. It's huge. It really is. It's a big flag. The English flag. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, I was offended by that. (laughs) So I had a look in the cupboard and I thought, And the best I could find was a tea towel. <laughs> a, small, a small tea towel with the, 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 the St. Andrew's cross on it. Now, his flag spreads over the whole of the front of his house almost. And, well, mine just about covers one small window. <laughs> for the honor. <laughs> for the honor of the nation, England or Scotland or whatever. Yeah. We're so keen to demonstrate that that's our flag. We're not quite so keen to demonstrate that Jesus' love is our banner. Yeah, that his love is priority. Well, I've no doubt that Scotland will not win. (laughs) But I'm not so sure about England either. Forgive me, don't stone me. Jesus first, Jesus always. And how will the people out there get to know that? Because they're not coming in here. Well, some of them are. But Jesus said to his followers, you and me included, if you're a follower of Jesus, Jesus said, you go. You go. Go to where they are. Go to where the people are out there. In our wider world, Jesus is first and foremost king. David is a, in some ways a picture of, of the king who is to come. Jesus, king of kings. Is he your king? Have you learned anything from the story of David that takes you closer to the king today? I better stop, folks. I've gone well over my time. I do apologize. But uh, let me pray and then we're through. Thank you for those of you watching on live stream as well. Um, May God bless you in all that uh, you are learning and seeking to learn about Jesus. Loving God, thank you for our time together this morning. Thank you for the worship. Thank you for the songs that we've sung that have pointed us towards the King and and to honor you. And, And Lord, will you help us not to just sing that you are our King, but to live as our king, 
as, with you as our king. Take us to our world. Strengthen us, encourage us, inspire us, convict us so that we might discover completeness of life. David said, the Lord is my shepherd. I've got everything I need. Give us that sense of completeness, that you are all we need for ourselves and for our world. Honor your name in our lives and through our lives. Lord God, we give you this service and all that's been said and sung and done in this service. May your heart be made glad with all that we offer. And like David, will you teach us to be your kind of people in our kind of world. I bless you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. May he inspire you. May he equip you. May he enable you to be his followers every day, all the day. Amen.